Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, Eric Banner, and we have an incredible guest, Brian Thornton, the new commissioner, joining us here at the WAC office. How do you think of the office so far? How do you like Denver? Uh, it's been great. Um, you know, flew into Denver, I guess, two days ago, and it was 70 degrees. So that's a good thing. Um, certainly wasn't snow on the ground like I would have expected. Office has been has been good. It's been great to kind of get in here and start to to get to know all the all the staff and um, excited to work with everybody here. Brian, it's been kind of a whirlwind, I, I would assume, the last couple of weeks. Once you were named commissioner, uh, currently you're you're with the American Athletic Conference. Tell us a little bit about Oh, what you're doing at the American? Yeah, for the last 13 or so months, I've been the associate commissioner for both men's and women's basketball at the American, which has been a great experience. You know, working with both of those sports um, at that conference has has taught me a lot. Um, it's been very hands-on. Um, spent a lot of time in scheduling. Spent a lot of time working with TV and um, just trying to build the basketball brand at that conference to be as good as possible. Um, last year, we had some great success. We had a Final Four team in, in Houston. We had an NIT champion in, in Memphis. And our women's basketball, we had two teams in the top 25. So um, it worked out pretty well last year. Well, we're certainly excited to have you here. What drew you to the WAC initially? You know, the WAC, um, as a lot of people know, has a very storied history. Um, you know, it's been through many iterations over the last uh, handful of years, but the name still resonates nationally. And um, it was a brand that I wanted to be a part of. You know, the the unique thing about the current schools are they are in the WAC, but they're not necessarily um, have not necessarily been here for a long time. But the good thing about them is they are all seem to have all oars rowing in the same direction. Um, all the institutions in our league for the most part are in fast growing areas of the country. They're kind of um, kind of like that next generation um, of schools that, you know, are kind of just waiting to take off. And, you know, the goal is that they, those schools can provide the WAC with an opportunity to once again establish itself as one of the premier, if not the premier, you know, mid-major conference west of the Mississippi. Yeah, Brian, now uh, just back in January, we announced four new schools coming into the WAC, five new schools coming into the WAC, in fact. And those, we had the four new schools this year, Sam Houston, we had uh, Stephen F. Austin, Lamar, and Abilene Christian with Southern Utah coming the following year. Just this past week, another big announcement University of the Incarnate Word joining the WAC starting in July. So right off the bat, Brian, a little uh, uh, administrative work to do, I guess, with that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was definitely a quick turnaround getting um, Incarnate Word into the into the fold. And it's something that we should all be excited about. You know, Incarnate Word provides a lot of value for our league across the board. Um, it helps us from a football standpoint. That's something that over the last year plus we've really wanted to engage in and, and make ourselves a, one of the premier um, FCS conferences in the country and continue just to build our football brand into something that we'll see what it can become in the future. Um, but what Incarnate Word does beyond that is it gives us another great market. Um, the San Antonio market is is a growing one. It's one of the biggest cities in the state of Texas and nationally. And I think that it's an area that's starved for great athletics. And Incarnate Word is kind of on that upswing, just like many of our other schools. They're an institution that's really growing. It's thriving. And they're putting the resources into making um, Incarnate Word a great member of the WAC. 
And as the WAC continues to expand, what are some of your goals that you have coming in as a new commissioner? You know, I think it's just to continue to build on what's been here. Um, you know, the WAC has always, like I said, been a great name, but it's a new cast of characters. And with that new cast of characters, um, it's going to be a little bit of a journey um, trying to rebuild this league into something that is, um, is special than we can all be proud of. Um, you know, the good thing about being a commissioner is that you're not in this by yourself. You know, it's not solely my responsibility to um, to make it the conference into whatever it can become. It's about the membership. It's about the staff. And most importantly, it's about providing an, an excellent experience for our student athletes. Brian, you've already had an opportunity to go to a WAC championship. Uh, I got to see Kendra at the uh, men's soccer championship yeah, at Grand Canyon last week and got a taste of uh, what it's like to go to a Grand Canyon basketball game. Yeah, it was great. You know, spending some time in Phoenix was nice. It was nice to kind of just get out and start to, you know, build relationships with the membership. That's something that's extremely important to me to do um, over the, the next coming months. I'll be out trying to, to get to know all of our institutions, um, meeting with some of their coaches, their uh, athletic directors, presidents, um, just to start to build that rapport and build that relationship. And, you know, getting an opportunity to go to Grand Canyon right away was, was a good deal. Um, their soccer facility is phenomenal and they had a nice atmosphere for the soccer championships. And, you know, we were fortunate to get multiple bids into the NCAA tournament, which is a testament to the strength of our soccer programs. But beyond that, um, spending some time at the basketball game was very unique. Um, I've been to a lot of places, um, having played college basketball and coaching for 10 years. I've been in some great environments, but I'd be hard pressed to find one that was, uh, was more raucous and um, ready to go than what they had at Grand Canyon. I had my camera up. I went to the Tuesday opener and I just had my camera up and my jaw was like, <laughs> the whole time. It was so impressive. I love the atmosphere there. And of course you play basketball at Xavier and then you start your career at Vanderbilt. So you're a basketball minded guy. We have four new teams that just joined the WAC for basketball, leveling up our WAC conference, our conference. What excites you most about basketball season coming up? Well, I, you know, I love basketball. <laughs> um, you know, obviously that's been where I spent a lot of my career and um, just my history. And, you know, obviously Grand Canyon is, is doing a fantastic job. They won the league last year, went to the NCAA tournament. So I know that they're continuing to build on what they have. They have a great new coach in Bryce Drew, who does a phenomenal job. But beyond that, we've also added some other schools with some great basketball pedigree as well. You know, Stephen F. Austin has had tremendous success in recent years, and we're all familiar with what Abilene Christian did last year by knocking off Texas in the NCAA tournament. So I think that we have an opportunity from a basketball standpoint, and it goes beyond just those schools I've mentioned, but they can, can continue to build on what basketball is in this league and hopefully aspire to be in a conference that puts ourselves in position for, you know, multi-bids and an opportunity to invest during March Madness. Kendra mentioned you, you played basketball at Xavier and, and Vanderbilt as well and spent 10 years in coaching. At what point did you kind of change direction and, you know, you got into administration and did you see yourself becoming a conference commissioner? You know, I, I wouldn't say that that was necessarily my goal to become a conference commissioner. What I knew is that I wanted to have an impact on sports. Um, I spent 10 years as a college coach and it was a great experience, you know, building relationships with young men and watching them grow from 18 to 22 and hopefully kind of coming out on it uh, on the other side, um, better people and more prepared for life. But after doing that for 10 years, I realized that, you know, I wanted to have a greater impact 
more of a, a, a macro instead of a micro impact on college athletics. And at first it was basketball only, but as I spent more time um, working on basketball from a national standpoint at the NCAA and then later at the American, I realized that I wanted to have an, um, an impact or a hand in college athletics across the board. Um, I became extremely interested in national issues and kind of the impact on uh, student athletes as a whole. And so, you know, this opportunity, the WAC kind of allows me to be part of that, that conversation. And again, whenever you're in college as a student athlete, you're going to spend four or five years there. And this could be the best four or five years of your life. I certainly enjoyed my time, but it's a finite amount of time. And the goal is to have a great experience, to make relationships, and to prepare yourself for the next 40. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have a lot more coverage on all our WAC sports on the next segment of the podcast. Stay with us. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, Eric Danner. We just had an incredible guest join us, new WAC commissioner. Ryan Thornton is in town, so we just spoke with him. And we have some exciting news going on in the WAC. A lot of new things are happening, a lot of expansion. We just had a big announcement this week, the University of the Incarnate Ward joining the WAC in 2022. We'll be coming up in July, and this really helps us out in a number of sports. Of course, the announcement made the week before with New Mexico State and Sam Houston both leaving the conference, going to Conference USA in two years. So next year, we're looking at a 14-team conference with Southern Utah coming on board. Remember, they were announced back in January, so they come on board as well in July of 2022. And particularly in football, this gets the number up to eight uh, with six teams that are not transitioning. So don't have to do the AQ7 uh, next year for football. So there's there's a plus there. And uh, all the good things that come along with, with UIW, 20 sports, have all the WAC sports, and also in, in the city of San Antonio. So it gives us another good-sized market uh, within the Western Athletic Conference. We're continuing to expand more schools in Texas. Very exciting for just the conference in general as we keep moving forward. We just had an incredible soccer tournament, the WAC Men <laughs> Soccer Tournament. That was the first championship that I had ever gotten to travel to with the WAC. And uh, Seattle U winning it in PKs after being down 2-0 with under five minutes to play. Probably the craziest match ending I had ever seen. Seattle U never count them out, uh, as we found out there. And the Red Hawks under head coach Pete Fewing continuing that every other year. Uh, that stat, what it was, 2013, 15, 17, yeah, 19, 21. Winning. <laughs> winning the championship again. And the host never winning the championship that uh, that jinx, I guess, uh, continues, which is not good news for California Baptist next year as, as the host, but good news for them that they're hosting in their brand new stadium. But uh, the good news for the WAC is both teams get into the NCAAs. If GCU had won, who knows if Seattle U would have gotten in, but uh, with GCU being a top 25 team most of the year, they get in. They actually get a home match this week against Denver University, whereas Seattle U, they'll be on the road not too far away in Portland. And the University of Portland with goalkeeper George Tesoris, who transferred from Grand Canyon, has been a, a WAC Defensive Player of the Year. So he'll be familiar or 
our, uh, the Seattle U players will be familiar with uh, Tesori. He's a great goalkeeper, and that should be a great matchup for them as well. I think that just shows also getting two teams in just the caliber of the, the quality of competition that was played this past weekend. I mean, we saw some pretty unique endings to some pretty awesome matches. And in the sport of men's soccer, we have a couple of uh, Mountain West schools that are uh, what we call affiliates in, in soccer. So Air Force San Jose State, both advancing to the semifinals. Uh, Rudy Castro get a, a seat uh, top 10 play. Didn't get whack top play, though. Tell you that much. A whack top play was left for Achille Kasim and his incredible goalkeeping. Two saves, two PK saves. I mean, it is so challenging for goalkeepers to be in that position and to make not one, but two saves. And with the home crowd, GCU, all their fans had traveled almost behind the net. Mm -hmm. I think they were actually behind the net to start. And then officials had to move them past the goalposts. And Kasim had said that. That gave him motivation. It hyped him up. And after after he made that final PK save, that one Seattle U, the tournament, he turned and gave a bow to the fans. <laughs> well, we saw that two years ago, 2019, not the bow to the fans, but Akili Kasim coming up big in the PKs. They played Utah Valley in the championship. Of course, it was not numbered year. So, of course, Seattle U's <laughs> in the final. And Akili was, was the MVP of the tournament that year, uh, making some incredible saves in that PK round. And once again, he, he does it for Seattle U. So it was just a spectacular men's soccer tournament. And we continue with spectacular tournaments as this week is WAC Volleyball. We have uh, four matchups coming up on Thursday. I'm headed down to Las Cruces for those. And uh, we have some uh, cross-divisional play. We have Sam Houston as the number one seed. They'll start things off playing against Abilene Christian. Then it's UTRGV. It was in the Southwest Division this year taking on Grand Canyon. That figures to be a very good matchup as GCU with a number of top players in the conference this year. Then we have the 3-6 matchup, which for the first time ever, Chicago State is the number three seed. Uh, they won their first ever uh, WAC tournament match in the spring. And once again, they're playing fantastic volleyball right now. They will be the three seed taking on Stephen F. Austin, who going into Saturday had a chance to be the number one seed. This is how close things are in the WAC this year. The uh, Lady Jacks lost to Sam Houston, and then they were tied with UTRGV. UTRGV got the tiebreaker, so they fall from possibly being the one seed down to number six, playing Chicago State in the first round, then the host, New Mexico State, they're the two seed. They don't get a, a, a patty cake in the first round, though. They play Utah Valley, the defending tournament champions, who have also played very well at times this year. Well, it should be a spectacular tournament, possibly some upsets going on, and we'll have Debbie Hendricks, who will be one of the analysts for that tournament on our on our podcast coming up next you want to stay tuned for that basketball though i mean we're <laughs> diving into all the sports basketball got underway this past tuesday we just heard brian talk about his experience he went to gcu i was there as well a lot of great basketball was played this week a lot of great basketball and we talked a little bit about it last week kendra but it's uh Man, there were so many games. We, we have 13 teams now, so there's a little adjustment, I guess, for me. <laughs> that we have so many games, uh, both men's and women's, and great games that we had last week. And this year, a little different. We have a WAC Player of the Week, and we also have a WAC Freshman of the Week on the men's side. Let's start with that, where we have Brandon Betson from Chicago State getting the WAC Player of the Week again. We just talked about the volleyball team kind of raising some eyebrows, number three seed. Men's basketball starting off 2-0 and 
against two Division One opponents. That has not been done in years uh, for the Cougars. And they're under first-year head coach Jared Gillian, who is looking to transform this program. And Betson certainly was as advertised in her, his first two games. And for the freshman men's basketball player of the week, we had CBU's Taryn Armstrong, who was named the ticket smarter freshman of the week. He has a, a twin brother, Trey Armstrong, both T Armstrong. Well, that twins, the... they're different ages. Oh yeah, that's right. One's a freshman, but they're brothers one's a and they both have T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Trey Armstrong, also a great player for the Lancers. And so uh, Taryn comes in and uh, tears it up. If you <laughs> oh, will, <good> one. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes, uh, women's basketball players of the week brought to you by ticket smarter, uh, Maria Carvalho from Utah Valley, uh, the junior from Portugal. She was first team all whack last year, matched her career high with 23 points in a win against park from Arizona falls that up with 20 points, 10 rebounds in a loss to Fresno state. But as you know, Fresno state, uh, I believe was the team picked to win the mountain West uh, this past year. One of the uh, top uh, programs in the nation. So uh, Maria Carvalho getting the WAC Player of the Week for women's basketball. And with the Ticket Smarter WAC Women's Basketball Freshman of the Week, we have Lamar's Akasha Davis. She's a freshman forward from Dallas. She opened her career 12 points at New Mexico, had a breakout home opener against Howard Payne, scored 27 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks, and two assists. So she is shaping up to have a pretty awesome year should be uh, something to look forward to in basketball which we'll talk a lot more about in the months to come here on the WAC right. podcast already wrapping up the football season hard to believe wow. seems like it just started we have our, our WAC ticket smarter players of the week Sam Houston's Eric Schmidt getting the player of the week on the offensive side the junior he's only been a, a couple of times player of the week but he is just so consistent every single week he's putting up big numbers 392 yards that's a season high for him passing 27 of 44 is as we mentioned sam houston clinching the aq7 they'll be going to the playoffs once again this year 158.7 efficiency rating i, I know when i play madden i don't think that's possible <laughs> uh three touchdowns uh passing another one rushing as sam houston uh, beat eastern kentucky 42 to 28 and they're Win streak stretches back all the way from November 2019. They're 4-0 in the WAC, looking to clinch that WAC conference championship. They will play Abilene Christian this weekend. That should be a good matchup. Stephen F. Austin is another team that if they win and Sam Houston loses, then they both share a share of the WAC title. Of the WAC championship. And Stephen F. Austin also with a chance to go to the NCAA playoffs. So keep an eye out for that. So uh, the Lumberjacks in need of a, a victory here, final week of the regular season to keep their postseason chances alive. And sticking with Abilene Christian, Elijah Moffitt is our Ticket Smarter Defensive Player of the Week. He's a redshirt freshman safety who led the Wildcat defense in a 29-3 win over Tarleton. He had seven tackles, two forced fumbles, and an interception. Very good week for Elijah Moffitt and ACU beating rival Tarleton. Of course, the two schools only an hour and a half apart. Big win for the Wildcats as they look to put a bow on the season. And also the special teams player of the week going to Connor Brooksby as Dixie State picked up their first win of the season. And Brooksby ties a school record with a 50-yard field goal. And that win also scoring 14 points for the Trailblazers as they score 62 against Fort Lewis. 
Dixie State earning their first win of the season in record-setting fashion. I think it was the NCAA era most touchdowns in a single game and then as well as just most points scored for this team. So a good way for them to really get their offense rolling as they head into the final game of the season. Coming up next, we're going to talk WAC Volleyball with Debbie Hendricks, our analyst for the WAC Volleyball Tournament. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC Podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast, Kendra and Eric Danner, and we are joined with Debbie Hendricks, who's going to be an analyst for this weekend's WAC Volleyball Championship. Debbie, the standings have been pretty tight. Sam Houston just flinched the number one overall seed. What excites you most when you're looking at these teams, the records, what they've done this season as we head into this tournament? I tell you what, going from a six-team tournament to an eight-team tournament was going to you know, provide a little more excitement in and of itself. Um, but the quality of the teams and the level of competition I think we're going to be looking at here, it's pretty exciting and um, maybe unprecedented in this, in this tournament. Debbie, we start things off with Sam Houston, Abilene Christian. Uh, uh, we were just talking in our last segment about how close the teams are. Stephen F. Austin, a six seed, could have possibly been the one seed if everything would have broken right, and they wind up as a six seed having to face Chicago State in the first round. But Sam Houston playing Abilene Christian, this is a uh, Abilene Christian team that kind of, I, I don't want to say snuck into the tournament, but was the last team to qualify. But this is a team that beat Sam Houston, just a few weeks ago, and, and you had a chance to talk with both coaches yesterday about their upcoming matchup. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting. We've got two teams in this tournament that have played each other twice, and we have two teams in this tournament, uh, two matchups in this tournament that haven't played each other at all. So in this matchup, we have two teams that have split on the regular season, and they do know each other fa- fairly well. And um, Abilene Christian just played extremely well on their home floor. They, they didn't even play at full strength as far as their player personnel. So I think getting Lindsay Tony back into the mix, you know, she's second in the league uh, in kills per set. I think that's big for Abilene Christian. Um, I, you know, talking to Angela Mooney, she really feels like she's got a team that doesn't give up. So I, I think they're probably coming into this match believing they can win. Uh, they just did a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, flip to uh, our conversation with Brenda Gray. She seemed very composed. Uh, she did not seem too concerned about that loss at Abilene Christian, but she was concerned about the team raising their level of play, getting back to being a little bit more consistent. I think they're going to lean heavily on Ashley Lewis, their lone senior, to just make sure the rest of the team is ready to be consistent and play at the level, level they're capable of for this match. Chicago State has been a storyline all season. They earning they earned the three seed and they had their most wins that they've had in 20 years, I think, just recently. I mean, they they're a team that I think has shocked a lot of people. They have. And, uh, you know, they've got some incredible talent, starting with uh, their outside attacker, Feliz. Feliz and, uh, you know, she's going to be one that. Uh, the Lady Jacks are going to have to key on. They know that. Um, and then you look at the way the Stephen F. Austin team plays. They they win and lose uh, based on their balance and their ability to get that first ball contact on the net and distribute the ball to a lot of different attackers. But interestingly enough, in our conversation with both coaches, uh, even Coach Tripanov, he was talking about how much he would need balance. Uh, in this match. They they can't give every ball to Feliz 
Grizzlies. And uh, they're looking at, you know, the best blocking team in the league. So he also was talking about how much they needed a good first ball. They had it to be able to have some other players step, step up and put balls away. And he knows they need a big defensive effort on Thursday if they're going to win this match. Debbie, we had a chance to talk with Mike Jordan, the longtime head coach at New Mexico State, Sam Atoa, the longtime coach at Utah Valley. And these teams have met for the WAC championship a few times. Now they're meeting in the first round. And we were talking about, I mean, a 2-7. This is not a typical 2-7 matchup. It really isn't. I mean, this this feels like it could be a one-two. And uh, I think both coaches in the conversation feel that way. Uh, you know, when you look at Utah Valley, they did lose both of the regular season matches. Um, Coach Chitoa knows the saying, it's, it's hard to beat a good team three times. And I think he's probably going to be uh, hoping that's the case in this situation. Um, but I, this might be the best match of the tur- of the opening day of the tournament. I, I don't know. It's yet to be seen. But um, when you look at what New Mexico State, the Aggies are going to have to do to be successful, we know we're going to see a lot of bird sell, but they're going to have to run a balanced offense. They're going to have to have that good first ball contact um, because they're playing a really good blocking team. And uh talking to to uh, coach Jordan yesterday you know he said we have to get past the block and the way they're going to get past the block is by distributing the ball to a lot of different players they have to get the middle attack involved uh Leah Mosier had a great weekend blocking but they're going to have to see some Leah Mosier attacking as well if they're going to get past that block uh, that tremendous block uh, of Utah Valley now I think the chink in the armor maybe for Utah Valley is their back row play and coach Atoa addressed that he said they have to be better about making quick adjustments on defense and being consistent with those adjustments throughout the match uh, on the flip side uh, you are looking at a team with a player like Kazna Tanavasa, and um, they have other players who are definitely ball have the ability to put the ball away. So um, they'll rely on their defense, but they're also an offensive threat as well. So I, I think this one really lines up to be a great match. New Mexico State hosting the tournament inside the Pan Am Center. Coming back from soccer, we were at GCU. That was the host team. They were in the championship. They had a huge crowd, big momentum boost for them. How important is it for this home team to have the crowd fill the Pan Am Center and act as a sixth man? I think it's huge. Um, and, you know, <laughs> all of these teams, they play, they play in different types of gyms and arenas. But when you play in your own, it's the one you know the best. And... Um, and yet what we were talking to the coaches yesterday, they flipped the script a little bit because in the spring, it was Utah Valley who finished the regular season at home and then had the, the opportunity to host. That bode very well for them. And I think Coach Jordan is hoping the same thing. You know, they did get to play their last weekend at home. Now they get to host the tournament at home. I think they're hoping it'll have the same kind of impact for their team. But again, I, I think these are experienced teams that know how to play in any facility and they'll show up. Debbie, the, the last uh, matchup of the first round that we haven't discussed is Grand Canyon UTRGV. Again, two teams that have had success in the tournament. Grand Canyon with a lot of talent on that team, and that, that'll be that 4-5 matchup. So that usually are the, are the two closest teams. But again, you could make the case anywhere between uh, 1 and 7 this year. But that Grand Canyon UTRGV, that could be a sneaky good uh, five-set type of match. Oh, I think so. And, and, you know, again, you're looking at, at two teams who have not seen each other. 
So um, I asked both coaches how they felt about that. Uh, coach Nolan, Grand Canyon, he was like, I love to see a fresh face. You don't want to play. And I know as a coach, I felt the same way. I didn't want to see a team that I'd already played twice during the season when you get to playoff time. They want to see a fresh team. Um, Todd Lowry was a little bit more hesitant. He said he wasn't sure how he felt about it yet. But um, I do know uh, they're, they're also very different teams. And um, when you look at UTRGV, they're, they're a little bit similar to Chicago State in the sense that they're very athletic, very offensive minded. Um, they probably are going to be a little bit better when it comes to killing the ball uh, and if they are able to get the ball out of Claire Mitchell's hands for Grand Canyon. Uh, she is such a tremendous setter. And the unique thing about her is that uh, balls that would typically be out of system for other setters, she brings them in system. She has such good body control and gets to the ball so well, even a pass that's 10, 12 feet off the net, she's still running system offense. So when we talked to uh, Coach Lowry yesterday, he says we have to get them extremely out of system. And that means they're gonna have to serve tough. That means they're going to have to put balls away early in the rallies and, and perhaps even attack Claire Mitchell when she's on the back row uh, so she's taking the first ball and can't set the second ball. But um, Tim Nolan, he, he really loves his team. He thinks that they pass, uh, defend, and serve well, which are the most critical aspects of the game. He loves their grit. Uh, you know, the, besides Claire Mitchell, you've got another uh, vet out there and, and uh, Tegan DeFalco who will be leading the passing and defense. Um, so I think he feels confident coming into this matchup. Uh, but again, we've got really different teams. And I, and I think um, in all of these matches, it's kind of a resounding theme. The teams that can pass and serve the best are typically winning these matches. Well, it's going to take three wins to win that title. Real quick, how tough is it to bring that same intensity match after match in such a short time frame? You know what? That's a great question. And, and uh, a few teams find that. To be really honest with you, you often see there might be a, a match where they play really well and another match where they just have to grind out a win and kind of grit through the, through the match. Um, rarely do you see three really uh, spot on level uh, type matches. But um, I do think it helps if you're coming in with any kind of momentum. So I think the teams that maybe have gotten hot late Coach Lowry talked about, he felt like his team was um, as good on defense right now and as good attacking the ball uh, as they have been all season. Well, I would guess they're coming in with a lot of confidence. Um, I think that helps. Um, perhaps if you have taken a loss late and you found a way to kind of use that to fuel your team and regroup and maybe refocus yourselves, that, that can be something. But you have to roll in with a little bit of momentum. And then you've just got to find a way to put a pretty complete match together three nights in a row. So, Debbie, we're certainly looking forward to it. People can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be on the WDN internationally if, if you can't get ESPN+, Plus in the United States. And so looking forward to uh, some great matches this week and looking forward to seeing you in Las Cruces, Debbie. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys as well. And, and I think it's going to be a tremendous week in the volleyball. I can't wait. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, that is Debbie Hendricks, who's going to be our analyst for the WAC Volleyball Tournament. I also want to thank our other guest today, Brian Thornton, the incoming WAC Commissioner. And thanks everybody for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.